0: Welcome to the Deacon's Den, your neighborhood cozy cafe for Catholic conversation dedicated to discussions distinctly diaconate. I'm Deacon Dave, your proprietor and host, and I have a corner booth reserved just for you. So come on in, we're glad you're here. Welcome to the Deacon's Den as we start the new year of 2021. So far, it looks a lot like 2020. And so do you, Deacon Joe. You only look a few days older than you did last time we met.
1: New haircut. New
0: haircut. (laughs) It's it's gone from zero to less than zero. Is that (laughs) what you're telling me? Despite how things have gone to start the new year, as a people of unfailing hope in the resurrection, we continue to believe that God's light will ultimately transform this moment of darkness that seems far too frequent in this past year. And as we record this episode, the year-long pandemic still poses a serious disruption to how we live our lives. Although the start of global vaccinations is providing a glimmer of hope that we just might be moving to some sense of normalcy later this year. Like most disruptions, sometimes we learn things from how we respond to our enforced changes, things that can actually help us to improve and maybe adopt a new normal that is better than when we started. And that leads us to today's topic, lessons for ministry from the pandemic. We'll take a look at some of the adaptations that have been made by parishes and other ministries throughout the Diocese of Orlando to discover what we've learned that not only has helped us to maintain ministry during this challenging time, but also how it might improve our ministry in the future. And to help us do this, Deacon Joe and I are joined by two of our brother deacons, one a returning guest and one a brand new face in the den. So first, I'm happy to welcome back Deacon John Rumplash. Deacon John, if you could take a moment to remind our listeners where you're from when you were ordained your parish, and what roles you've served in your parish in the diocese.
2: I'm from the uh, parish of St. Mark the Evangelist, originally from New Jersey, moved to uh, South Florida in 1996. Not being a Catholic, I had to go through the RCA program and converted. 2009, I was ordained with uh, Deacon Joe Gassman as a uh, deacon. And been serving at uh, Saint Mark's uh, since. Awesome, and you were part. Of, you were a key part of this office for a while. Uh, yes, I uh, served under the uh, direction of uh, Deacon Dave Gray for seven years. Uh, you know, working him was a great experience, and uh, you know, completely revamping the, the academic, uh formation program, which uh, is going strong today, even with the addressing of the uh, pandemic.
0: Absolutely, and we're going to talk about some of that before we end our, our episode today. So now for our new guest, as, as I said before we began, long-time listener, first-time caller, uh, Deacon Herman Romero. Deacon Herman, welcome to the Den, and uh, kindly
3: introduce yourself to our listeners. Good morning, good morning. Uh, Deacon Herman Romero, um, I have, I'm with uh, the parish of St. Peter and Paul, Goldenrod, Winter Park area, originally born in Columbia but I have been in the States uh, most of my life. I've been a member of St. Peter and Paul for almost 40 years. Uh, I've been ordained, in, I was ordained in 2015, so I'm a little over five years. As a matter of fact, I was one of Deacon John's... Uh, First students, uh, first protégés in the, the academic So we program. can blame
0: Deacon John for anything you do wrong today, is that Every it? mistake <laughs> that
3: I make in my ministry, I said that was Deacon John, so thank you. It was that I'm, football
2: I'm like, game he wouldn't let him go to. <laughs> and I still watch him very co- closely. Good, as, as don't we all.
3: Uh, and what else? Uh, after uh, originally moved to New York City, but have been in Orlando now for over 40 years, uh, English is my most fluent language, so I've had to learn, re- relearn Spanish, particularly mm-hmm. when I went into ministry work. It was uh, learn Spanish again because I was going to be ministering to our Spanish community.
0: Uh, that's I, I never would have thought of that, Herman, but it makes sense. You're so good in both languages, so what can we say? And uh, Deacon Herman, you're also helping us out now with formation as well as the cohort facilitator. For 2024.
3: Yes, uh, my wife and I, my wife Sue and I are the uh, mental couples for the 2024 class, oh. and it's been a great experience. I've learned so much already uh, with that class, so it's uh, a joy to be able to, to walk their journey. Reminds me a lot of my, my own journey.
0: And it was Deacon John that told us you needed to go through formation again, so that's why we invited you back. Um, And I'm glad that we have new
3: professors now.
0: (laughs) So let's dive into today's topic. A year ago, it was business as usual, and many of us had been following well-practiced ways of ministry to the people of God. Then COVID hit. For a while, our churches were closed, and virtually all ministries were shut down. Last summer, we reopened our churches with limited capacity and slowly looked at ways to resume much of the important ministry that our parishes offer. So let's start by rewinding the clock to the period after the parishes shut down. And I'd like to hear from you, what were some of the early practices that you, your parish, or even other neighboring parishes tried to stay connected with the faithful? And so Deacon Herman, as our newest guest, we're going to let you jump in first.
3: Interesting, as I go back and look at that time frame, I guess it was around March or thereabouts, uh, when we first shut down, the first thing, okay, what do we do? How do we move forward on it? We wanted to continue to do Mass, and we knew we had to do Mass online, so it was really learning how do we record a Mass, how do we then post that Mass, how do we get our parishioners to be able to log on to the Mass. St. Peter and Paul is slightly older. You have a good mixture, but a lot of our parishioners we know are older, and so we knew electronics would be a challenge. So initially, we helped private masses and recorded the masses, and then posted those online, try to get information as much as possible. One thing if we had to do all over again, if we had known what was coming, the two weeks before we shut down, we would have simply just, everybody come and bring your laptops because we're gonna teach you how to use your laptop. Bring it in, we'll set up soon, we'll set up whatever it is. If only the
0: pandemic (laughs) had given us advance notice.
3: That would have been so much easier (laughs) to have them do that. Classes online. Mm. In terms of ministries, Initially, what we started to do is to make sure we were calling our parishioners, the ministers to the sick. We asked them to continue to call the people you visit because you can't go visit, but we'll call them at least once a week. Keep in touch with them. Let them know that we're still praying for them. The uh, facilities that we visited, Tusquela, Kay Clark uh, asked us to go ahead and start writing letters, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. we would give uh, write letters. We give them to her. She would have to hold the letters for a week for you can distribute, otherwise you have to sanitize paper. And so we did that and uh, continued to send letters, bring letters to facilities uh, at least once a month to let the individuals know we're still thinking of them, praying for them, just ways to try to keep in touch. What's fascinating in
0: just these first opening comments is how we had to go to both ends of the spectrum, right? So we had to learn how to use new technologies in the 21st or you know, 21st century in order to be able to address the pandemic but correspondingly we had to go to pretty old school methods Just picking up the phone calling people writing letters i think that's a, a interesting description of the response john what about uh, in your parish and in your vicinity
2: in the beginning we addressed the situation with eliminating the precious blood sign of peace no touching mm-hmm. and then when the church was shut down they had to make some serious changes Only the uh, priests would do Mass. Uh, We started the uh, streaming on the the website and Facebook and then as uh, the church opened up I believe the end of uh, May, Mm -hmm. we had to do the social distancing. Uh, We had uh, numerous uh, staff and clergy meetings, uh, working with the maintenance people, separating the pews. We go to the people to give communion, so there's an empty pew between the people mm-hmm. sitting so every other pew is occupied and then six feet between each person in the pew requested masks in the beginning but now it's mandatory and it's really nice when you're on the sanctuary looking into people and everyone is wearing a mask uh, I haven't heard one complaint about people wearing masks that's awesome. and that's how the churches is, is flowing now We're we're maxed out at the 25% we have not increased 25% mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So we see little, about 400 people one weekend where we were getting a little panicky because mm-hmm. we were reaching the 400 <laughs> mark mm-hmm. but we also have a system to do the radio so they can go to their cars and hear the mass in the radio and uh, their car radio and then come to the Nortex for communion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've addressed quite a few things, but it was a hard task. You know, our pastor did a lot of hard work setting up the uh, streaming and so forth with the staff at the office. It's going good. We don't want anyone to you know, get sick.
0: So uh, both of you have already mentioned that you went to live stream the Masses pretty quickly. And, and Deacon Joe, I know you were involved with that yeah. at San Pedro, as, as well as at uh, St. James Cathedral. There's something different about how you have to set up when you're live streaming a mass. You just and I mean, I know a lot of us started at first, you just set up the camera and you said, okay, here's the way it looks. Any changes that you experienced, uh, Joe, on this in terms of how we had to approach this whole concept of, of filming masses so people could see what was going on?
1: One of the things that's been striking my heart as, as I'm listening to this, and, and I think of the totality of the charism of the diaconate, mm-hmm. is that, our ministry has been reduced to primarily liturgical. For the good chunk of it, I would say for at least six months, priests were saying, no, I don't want any deacons near me. I don't want nobody near me. I'll stand at the altar, and I'll look into this camera, and that's all you got mm-hmm. as a parishioner. Mm-hmm. And until we started lightening up and we created our own bubbles, I mean, you and I have been extremely busy with the bishop because we've created this bubble so that we can protect each other so that we could show some not signs of normalcy but all the other ministries prison hospital visiting the sick all
2: went away yes very much so
1: it
0: all went yeah. away and and even to this day i know the prison ministries are very limited in some places but a lot of hospitals shut down. hospitals very very limited and restricted as, as well that's a really good point joe because outside the walls ministry is key to what we do and who we are in our persona and yet we have been limited significantly. the hermit yeah, I saw you lean forward like you had an exciting uh, <laughs> yeah. response to Joe there. Talking
3: about liturgy mm-hmm. and trying to learn how to uh, be a minister when you're being uh, recorded. Right. For, you're, natural. When we're in Mass, very natural. Of course, we had to modify what the deacon's uh, responsibilities are in there to keep the distance between us and the presiding priest. But one of the things that I immediately noticed the first time I saw myself on television, Television amplifies every single movement that you make. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have to adjust your mic that you have on your head because you took off your mask, or you have to turn on the mic, you have to reach into your pocket to turn on the mic, everything is exaggerated and you look like it, it just looks funny, and so I learned very quickly: is stand as still as possible when you have nothing to do, and try to do the movements when the camera's not focused on you. You mean you had to practice all the things we were trying to teach you <laughs> through formation? <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, Deacon John was the one. Oh, who oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh!
2: I mean, I, I've had some funny experiences. Uh, I, I have two hearing aids, so I have the hearing aids on. I put the mask on. Yeah, I have the glasses on. Right. So all of a sudden, during Mass, I, I wear my mask pretty much 90% of the time. and That's when I have a speaking part receiving communion. And when I go to take the mask off, the hearing aids come flopping off. <laughs> the, the glasses go crooked. Uh, so it, it came out when I attend Mass, I, I just don't, I take the hearing aids off. Oh, okay. You know, because less junk on my ears. <laughs> but uh, it's comical. Sometimes you say, oh, why is this happening? Yeah. You know, He's what? gone blind. He's been <laughs> threatened blind and deaf. But heal it, him, Lord.
0: There, there,
1: is, there is, you know, a new awareness mm-hmm. of who we are, what we represent, mm-hmm. what we're doing on the altar the words we say because you could mumble it if everybody else is saying it if you forget you can just mumble along now you've got to
3: know it Mm -hmm. because you're the only voice they're going to hear so (laughs) i remember once you take your mask off when you have a speaking part one time i kept my mic underneath my mask i said just to show it was the i think mm -hmm. was the the sign of peace so i kept it on when i spoke i mean i think i gave everybody a headache because the The sound was just amplified Amplified. inside.
0: Exactly, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I've heard that happen a few times. Certainly, liturgy has required adaptations. It was important we do that so that the people could continue to participate who didn't feel, you know, that they could come back in. Herman, you made a very interesting comment about the people that needed it most and for the longest, the elderly, the infirm, may have had the least technical capability. But I want to move past liturgy because of what we just have talked about now, that our core identity really is in service to the community. Are there ministries that are still awaiting the go-ahead to open in your parish that are social service or outside the walls? Or have you found ways to, to continue to reach out and adapt your social service ministries?
2: At uh, St. Mark's, we have about 52 ministries at the parish. Twelve right now are actively meeting. Several of them started with Zoom, but we have 12, pretty much 12 ministries actively meeting. The Knights of Columbus are active with several other ministries helping uh, food collections
0: and so forth. What about you, uh, Herman, at
2: St. Peter and Paul?
3: We have over 70 active ministries. One of our largest ministries historically has been the Feed the Homeless ministry. The fourth Sunday of every month, our parishioners would cook food at their house, bring it to the parish, and then there'd be a group of parishioners that would travel downtown Orlando to bring and feed. Uh, And we would feed anywhere from 400 to 700 individuals at homeless ministry. That was all shut down. And right now, it's a matter of just making financial contributions to the ministry because they don't want any outsiders come in or even food out there. And that's that's been hard Mm -hmm. because that really brought our parishioners' Close together to really see visibly the work that we're doing. So that's that's been sad. Uh, we don't know when that's going to be activated again. But again, parishioners are responding by making financial contributions. For a while, we shut down the pantry, but now it's back up. And so parishioners are bringing non-parishal foods, and we uh, weekly uh, we distribute uh, food to a uh, number of families. Uh, the uh, Some of the ministries are back using Zoom uh, for their uh, meetings. We have opened our ministry center, so groups do want to meet uh, in-house. They can do that socially distanced. We've noticed many of them have chosen to remain uh, on Zoom versus coming in. And they'll do a combination of in-person and Zoom.
0: I'm, I'm looking at our clock here. We're moving very quickly through our time. So let me let me ask you this question to all of you. Based on the changes that we've made due to the pandemic, do you think you've learned any new tricks or relearned some old ones that you think might permanently transform the ministries that you're doing?
2: I don't think we learned new tricks or new procedures on how to cope with a crisis Mm -hmm. and try to keep things together. The hardest thing is ministries like to be in person. They like the community, and that's what we're lacking. And I have no idea how to overcome that other than the church fully opening up again uh, prayerfully in the the future. That is going to be the crisis of how the ministries regrow again. You know, hopefully people will flock back to the church when the churches are, are open, and I pray that they do.
1: Right. I think that's the hope is that we recognize that we truly are community. We have to be in community. We are social beings created by God to be together. And it's in that unity of action that we really get to experience God. Mm. Yes.
3: One of the things that we've learned, uh, and we made progress, and I'll share with you a quick story in a minute, but one of the things that I know we'll do different when we return to uh, live ministry, and that's important, I think for us and our ministries, they want to be together, but I fully expect that we're going to continue live ministry with Zoom capabilities uh, for those individuals that either cannot travel into the meetings, uh, they can still participate, and so we'll do a login so they can participate remotely. Some of our parishioners have moved away. New York, Puerto Rico, Atlanta. Guess what? They're still joining our Zoom meetings. They're still connected to our parish, and I want to keep them connected. So when we go live, we'll continue to use Zoom for them to connect and continue to be part of our parish family. So I fully expect that we will be more dual- uh, participation into the future. Uh, even in our diaconate programs and the, 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 uh, our deanery meetings, mm-hmm. I saw an increase of number of people could participate. The deacons that came in, because they didn't have to travel an hour to a meeting. So we'll continue to participate. And we learned so much. And I don't want to lose that. I'll share a funny story. Our Hispanic group Of course, we couldn't come together for our Monday night rosaries, but we wanted to keep them together. So the first thing that I did when I said, okay, we got to get together, I tried to use my cell phone. And so I know cell phones, you can connect multiple people. So that first week, I used my cell phone, didn't realize there was a limit. So when I got to the limit of five or six, I said, I yelled out at my wife, Sue, can I borrow your cell phone? (laughs) So I had my cell phone on speaker. I used her cell phone to to connect another one. We ran out of room. I had two more people to connect. So Sue, get me the house number, the house phone. (laughs) So I had the house. So now I have uh, two cell phones and that first roster and we did great. And so then we moved to Sue. The first week was half the time trying to get people connected to Zoom. And I did a traveling road show. I went to people's home, mask and everything like I'm coming to your house. I'm going to set up Zoom on your computer. So I did that with a number of our parishioners. Most of them felt comfortable just dialing in. The first week, Zoom gave us unlimited time. The second time with Zoom, they cut us right at 40 minutes. We're halfway through the rosary, shut down. I said, continue to pray rosary on your own. And now. You know, we're connected and we've learned so much. We don't, I don't want to lose <laughs> but, but But this is
0: why, Herman, you were in human resources and not in IT. Um, so, uh, Joe, I, I want to direct last question to you uh, quickly here. We made significant modifications to the formation program this year to keep it running. I guess it would ask a similar question to you. What are the things that you think we've lost and what are some of the things we've learned that we might carry forward? I
1: think it goes back to what John initially said, we've lost community. So we we created a group B group so that they're shifting in. I don't know how we're going to pull that off with three cohorts, but we're hoping that this is going to go past, knock on wood. that we'll be able to rejoin the entire community because it's an important piece of the the formation process. What we gained is using Zoom, you know, homiletics is a very important piece for deacons to be able to go out and preach their lived experience and their work life, their ministry life, and bring it to the pulpit. So now what we do is we've got a regular schedule where two candidates will be preaching to their group, via Zoom and get feedback. And that'll happen for, they'll be able to do that for like three years. So instead of just having one lesson in one semester and probably practice once, now they're going to get an opportunity to practice for three years and hopefully we'll have some very powerful preachers that preach real life, real experience, and the gospel values in that. That's
0: excellent. and, And do it well. Well, time flies when you're having fun, and and 25 minutes has escaped us uh, that quickly. Brother Deacons, it has certainly been a most unique year, but isn't that the great part about ministry? It's never the same. There's always new challenges, new opportunities, and new experiences. So whatever God asks us to do, I know we're up for it, and we will continue to minister to His people. So what's next on the menu? Well, you know, many of us have had additional time at home during the pandemic, which actually, I looked this up, it's resulted in a boom in the book industry, as more people have taken the time to sit down with a good book. And one of our diocesan deacons recently took up the task to research and interview authors of interesting Catholic books and reports those on our local Catholic radio station. So tune in next episode to add to your reading list with Deacon Chris Meehan. Sadly, we've reached closing time of the Deacon's Den, but I'm glad you dropped by. Come back on in when you're hungry for hearty discussions on the diaconate and Catholic conversation. Just remember, wear your mask, keep socially distanced when possible, and wash your hands. Until we meet again, I pray you walk closely with God on life's journey. And when you feel the urge to visit the Deacon's Den, remember, there's always a corner booth reserved just for you.